1: When what it is that you're doing is just what you do there is no how do i remain focused because there's no there's no off time almost like it's personal is weaved in with work and you have to dedicate some off time especially you know relationships and stuff like that but i don't really have much of a problem trying to maintain my focus because when you're when you really love what you do and you have a good solid game plan and you're trying to go for it There's not a whole lot that can get in your way, almost. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, if, if people are having a hard time remaining focused, the one thing that somebody told me a long time ago was if you're having a problem, remembering why it is you're doing this, just remember what life looks like if you stop. Okay? So, that's something, you know, that we all have to tell ourselves once in a while is why did I get into this to begin with? And if I stop doing all of this, what does the alternative look like? Usually, that'll straighten people right up and get them back focused. How you day? How you day? Those were the
0: words of Jeremy Griffin. and This was a quick episode to really jumpstart you as you get into the weekend, you get into the holiday season, and you start to think about next year. This man is someone who is a serial entrepreneur. Essentially, he's got multiple businesses. He invests in several businesses. He runs several businesses. And I was curious about the mindset of a serial entrepreneur and a lot of what he did and does essentially to keep all of his businesses running simultaneously and how he decides what's next. So it was an interesting episode. He's very, very energetic and you know I'm energetic when you listen to me. So you can imagine how excited I was. I want you to take away a few things here. I want you to think about your mindset. I want you to think about your goals. And I want you to think about not seeing entrepreneurship or whatever you're passionate about as as work, you know? see it as your life. It is your life. You do what you love. You want to do what you love and you want to love what you do. So just think about that as you're listening to the episode. As always, I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Please reach out to me at TyRoxin on Twitter, on Instagram, or you can reach out to me at my website, TyRoxin.com. I'm going to continue to talk about my masterclass in public speaking because that's the day of the event. So check out the link in the show notes. I'll make sure I put that there. I love you all and I can't wait to see some of you there. I can't wait to hear what your plans are for the new year. I can't wait to hear how you plan to change the world, how you plan to use your voice to make an impact. Get to work. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Jeremy Griffin. Jeremy is the founder of Startup Street. He grew up working in construction in Rochester, New York, for his uncle's business, Wright Brothers. And, um... Jeremy started working side jobs doing painting and drywall at the age of 17, but by 21, he was insured as a company and on his own professionally. Along the way, Jeremy att- attended Monroe Community College. He was also inspired by a market professor to take a plunge into the field, and he hasn't looked back since because, by, <laughs> <laughs> because he is currently running a handful of small businesses, including Startup Street, Grizzly Targets, Drop Zone Gunner. Elite Realty, and we're going to be talking about his mindset as an entrepreneur and how he got into all this space. Welcome to the show.
1: What's going on, my man? How we doing? The
0: pleasure is mine, sir. So before we dive into how you just manage all these amazing businesses, talk to me about young Jeremy, because I read about it there. You grew up working in construction in Rochester, but what was your mindset like? Did you have a vision for yourself and, you know, and how did you go about sort of making that turn into entrepreneurship?
1: I didn't have, I'll be honest with you, I didn't have much of a vision for myself. Um, I got into a lot of trouble when I was younger. The entrepreneurship thing was just basically a, a way for me to go out and make some extra money. And I'll, I I never would have thought, you know, trudging through the snow, do, putting flyers on doors, looking for houses to clean or yards to mow or whatever um, for the spring, obviously, with the lawn mowing. But, you know, painting or whatever, who, who would have ever thought that it would lead to all of this craziness that we've got going on here right now. So there was never any kind of a vision as what the future is. Uh, even now, I try not to even think about that. I want it to be good, I want it to be positive, but life pulls you in so many different directions. I'm not sure what it's gonna look like in another 30 years. I didn't think I'd be involved in most of the stuff I'm in right now. So so that's basically it, man. Yeah, no, that's, a good, that's a good way to look at it
0: because life is very unpredictable. And I know someone's listening right now thinking, hey, look, Jeremy, I screwed up multiple times. I have this going on at home. I have this issue going on in school. I don't quite know what my direction is. And I know I want to make an impact. I want to matter, but I'm struggling internally. What would you tell that person in terms of navigating that path?
1: You've got to find, you've got to find something that you can do on your own time to make some money with. right? Because if somebody's in, if somebody's in a tough spot and they're trying to get things figured out, Let's face it. They say money won't make you happy, but guess what? Money's going to take care. There's that saying, right? I got 99 problems, and 78 of them could be uh, solved with cash, right? <laughs> so, so you've got to you've got to find you've got to find something that you semi enjoy doing. You don't have to enjoy all of it. I think a lot of times people get too wrapped up in that. Well, what do you truly love to do? Like there is no job out there where you're going to love all of it, right? So you got to find something you enjoy for the most part. Find a way to kind of start going down that road a little bit, and and honestly, just make sure you you keep your flexibility bouncing. It's really good to have some form of a steady income while you're getting going. A lot of people say, okay, nope, I'm gonna make the plunge, and it's for most people it's a horrific mistake because it takes a long time to build all of this stuff up. And next thing you know, you made the plunge, and then you ran out of money, and now you're back in the freaking, you know, you're back uh, doing the other thing that you were doing before. Whereas if you just realize you can do both of them and slowly build up the other one, I mean, that's what I did at least, right? And it was a constant juggling act, especially growing up in Rochester when it gets so cold and so snowy in the winter. It's Unless you're in the snow removal business, yeah. just about everything slows down there in the wintertime, right? So you got to remain flexible, you got to remain creative, and you got to have multiple sources coming in for income so that you don't get caught out there with your pants down because when that happens, that, that's how that's how a lot of this stuff just ends. People just make this big break to start, and then it's this big break to end. Whereas, if maybe if they eased into it a little bit, you know, you could have managed it. You would have been a little more wiser, and you know, and, and all that good stuff. So, so that's something I think that a lot of people need to be cognizant of.
0: I love that. So then, walk me through this process. Cause now, you manage at least what four businesses or more, even correct? So. so- What is your day to day like, and you know how do you even go from one to four? Because someone can be like,
1: (laughs) so so the day to day, honestly, a big part of my day these days is, and this sounds really crazy and kind of stupid, but is trying to figure out how I can most efficiently schedule my time if I have multiple offices I got to go to, right? Like because the drive time in between them is a killer. I can't wait until we have self-driving cars so that that drive time will now be productive. All right, but a big part of the day is is just literally trying to figure out how can we efficiently organize what we have going on today. Clients' demands are always changing. Things pop up. I just got a text message literally while we're on the phone here, and -and so-and-so has an issue with something that's going on with the bank over there, so now i got to get a hold of them and get that straightened out. That's going to probably take 45 minutes. That was not on the agenda for today, so... Uh It's just juggling, man. You know, who can juggle the best?
0: Right. And, and putting out those fires. And, and, and the reason I'm asking that those questions is because obviously we see, you know, whenever we, we read about the, the entrepreneurs and, and the thought leaders in different spaces and how they manage different businesses, whether Steve Jobs, late Steve Jobs, or Jeff Bezos, there's always a certain mindset that I've noticed. It's a ridiculous amount of focus that people are able to have despite the amount of business that they have. And uh, yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is that how do you retain your focus? You know, how do you keep the main thing, the main thing? Uh,
1: Well, I've gotten asked that question um, a decent amount. And the only thing I can say is it's not when what it is that you're doing is just what you do. There is no how do I remain focused because there's no there's no off time almost like it's personal is weaved in with work and you have to dedicate some off time, especially, you know, relationships and stuff like that. But. I don't really have much of a problem trying to maintain my focus because when you're, when you really love what you do and you have a good solid game plan and you're trying to go for it, there's not a whole lot that can get in your way almost. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, if if people are having a hard time remaining focused, the one thing that somebody told me a long time ago was if you're having a problem, remembering why it is you're doing this, just remember what life looks like if you stop. Okay. So, that's something you know that we all have to tell ourselves once in a while: is why did I get into this to begin with? And if I stop doing all of this, what does the alternative look like? Usually, that'll straighten people right up and get them back focused.
0: I think that that's always the art of entrepreneurship: where there's self-awareness, there's, there's that ability to be persistent, but also that, that ability to sort of understand that balance with with work and the personal life. Because sometimes I, you know, I do, I, I have a business as well, and I always people always ask me, "What do you for fun?" And I'm like. I work for fun, <laughs> and and, and, and then, no, I, I I say that, and sometimes it makes me sound like a grandpa. But I'm, but I'm like, no, honestly, that, that that's what I do. I actually I really enjoy the work. But they're like, no, tell me like you know what what else? And it's always like this hard struggle. And and then obviously I you know I love sports and, and movies, but then I have to go to that. But it's I get so much resistance from just saying, hey, no, yeah, just work. I just you know I podcast, I read a book, I did a like, Yeah, but that sounds boring. So it's interesting when hearing you say that.
1: It's, I mean, it's not for everybody. Right. And, and really that is, that's the difference maker is some people have decided that that's what this is going to be and they go all in on it and they're fully dedicated and they, they make it that that becomes life. And then you've got other people that are like, and I'll be honest with you, I've worked with a lot of people over the years that have gotten into things and they simply got into it because they wanted to experiment almost with it. Right. I've always wanted to do ABC, so now I'm going to try to do that. And it's like, man, if you're not doing it because you're like, no, I have to do this, and we're going to do this, and I don't care if it takes me 40 years to do this, like that's the difference maker. Um, that guy that started Sam Adams, I'm reading his book right now, and, you know, the guy came to his team, and there was only like three people with the company at that point, and he goes, we need to beat the leading import Beer maker in the United States and everybody's like, well, that's crazy. That's Heineken. How the hell are we going to do this? He goes, listen, I don't care if it takes two years, it takes five years or it takes 25 years. We need to do that. Right. And that's, that's basically where, you know, the guys that win, the guys or girls that win are there. Like this is what we're doing. I don't care how long it takes. As long as you are not losing, let me, let me rephrase that. As long as you don't give up, you've still got a fighter's chance. Right? Right. As, right. as long as you're not saying this didn't work out, I'm done. Like, even if you have to close your store, take everything. You know, you'll see this. People, they have to close down. It's, a lot of times for the guys that made it long term, that close down was only temporary. They take everything. Maybe they move it into their apartment. Okay, I guess we're going to work out of here for a while. And then they get the store back, open back up down the road. As long as you don't give up, you still got a puncher's chance. So. That that's, that's basically, my you know, my M.O. with all that stuff is as long as we don't quit, we haven't failed, right? Yeah, so, you know,
0: yeah. You know, if you if you can't, if you can't walk, you know, if you can't fly, you know, run. If you can't run, walk, you can't walk, for yeah. all So, um you know, I love that. All right, let's talk about uh, Startup Street. That uh, is that that's the main. I don't know if there's a main company, but that's how I was introduced to you. Startup Street. <laughs> so start,
1: I would say startup is the main one simply because I'm a, a marketing guy. True and true. Um, that. In the the intro there that you did, that professor that I had at MCC would start off every class, and I'd take a night class because I had to work. Right? I was probably twenty. It was probably about twenty twenty one. He started off every class and he'd have us give him our dumb idea of the week. Right? Give me a really stupid idea, all of you. And I swear, man, like no matter how dumb the idea was, this guy could figure out how to position it, how to market it. Here's who you might want to partner it with. Um, these are the distributors in that industry. Here's what you might want to name it. I think a logo brand mark for it, you know, the brand mark might kind of be cool if you did this. And I was just, I remember sitting there because my life was in the toilet yet again and thinking to myself, my God, I bet this guy's never been broke a day in his life. Like this guy seems like he can sell anything. So I said, okay, cool. I'm going into marketing. So as far as my whole entire mindset with everything is always marketing focused. We took over at Grizzly. Uh, I, I worked with Grizzly Targets for five years prior. I helped launch them out of this guy's garage company. was doing company was doing pretty decent. Ownership though decided they wanted to go another direction, explore some other things. I said, "No, man, come on, let me take this over." So grabbed it. Now that's a manufacturing company, but when you're thinking from a marketing standpoint, you're always concerned with culture, with um, you know your processes will define the way that. the marketing turns out a lot of times uh, because we all know you can't brand something outside of what's actually going on with the company that will never work right so right. everything forming sales drives everything i'm a big believer in that yes if your product stinks you're not going to stay in business for terribly long but good sales can sell a really bad product where his really 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 poor sales will always struggle to sell a good product because simply nobody's going to know about it right so Everything for me, whether it's the real estate, whether it's Grizzly, whether it's our new Drop Zone Gunner event, which is basically a Spartan obstacle course with pistols, shotguns, and ARs mixed into it. It's totally cool. We just wait, did wait, one wait. wait what, what, <laughs> what? 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 what, what, okay. what? So, 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 all of this stuff is all marketing to me, right? So, no, I'm so curious. No, but no, i was the, the Spartan obstacle course.
0: You said something about guns. Yeah. The- wait. What? <laughs> nope. yeah.
1: so, so basically, so that's what we did is I've I worked with Grizzly forever. And I always looked at the type of events that go on in the firearms industry. And I said, man, these events, there needs to be more here, right? There's got to be more excitement. Why aren't they more physical? Why, 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 right? And as and so I slowly started to kind of question and whatnot, I found out there's this giant gap in the marketplace um, for both obstacle course people, fitness people who like guns And gun people who really, really like guns, but would like something a little bit more active for when they go to participate in competitions. So that's what we did. We merged the two together. It's called Drop Zone Gunner. We launched the first one three years ago, uh, just about three years ago. I won't lie. The first one was it was a nightmare. Okay, it was very, very tough combining those two together. But what I did with that was I figured out how to actually organize the events in a safe way so that we could run a lot of people through it. So there was an operational logistics aspect to it that nobody had really been able to crack until that point. And, you know, the execution was not good at all. I didn't have enough. We built the obstacles so big back at Grizzly before we brought them down there that I didn't have enough manpower to erect a lot of them. And then we outsourced some of the other obstacles. It was like, you know, I want this thing to be 10 feet tall, you know, like a giant... Uh, metal fence mountain right i want it to be 10 feet tall and 20 feet wide and then they come back to me and we're getting it set up like three days before and it's 10 feet wide and 20 feet tall and they're all they're all top heavy i'm like oh i can't have all these people running over this so so everybody's like wow that was a disaster i bet you're not doing that again i'm like what are you kidding me like do you understand how much i just learned from this right of, cor- of course we're doing this again right so so it took me a second. I had a couple of people fly down. We got it all sponsored up. That was probably two and a half years ago. It literally took me a year and a half to get the next one done because I had to convince some people for some very hefty sponsorship dollars that we that we needed to do this again. We did it. We put it on in January, and dude, I'm telling you, like hundreds of people, hundreds of people running through it, having the most fun that they've ever had. Like I, I've never seen anything like this in my in my life, man. So just so people can kind of visualize it. You got five people that start off at a time, all at the same time, go over a bunch of obstacles, jump into the shooting bay. The weapons are all staged there. So they pick up the, you know, they say they pick up the shotgun, drop their target, set the shotgun back down, get back on the obstacle course. Every time where there's a gun, there's a lot of supervision and whatnot. So it's actually very, very safe. It's more safe technically than a lot of normal shooting competitions because nobody is running with guns whatsoever. They're all staged, right? So, All the guns are staged. The sponsors love that because their stuff is actually getting used as opposed to a lot of competitions where everybody's bringing their own stuff, right? So when I made that, I wanted to give the sponsors the maximum amount of value possible. And it seems how, you know, that might be a little nugget that somebody could take out of this is that there's way too many people when they're making events that look at it from their company's perspective and their own perspective and say, how can I get the most value out of this? And they start there when real in reality, if they want to do something big and they want to do something national, they need to be saying, how can I create something where the sponsors get more value than anyone else is giving them in, you know, industry ABC right now. And if you do that, guess what? Raising your sponsorship dollars is a lot easier. And guess what? You don't have an event unless you have sponsors. Okay. Now we're not, I mean, this is if people want to do something really big, right? If you just want to go rent out a hotel, room and get 25 people, 30, 50 people in there and go through a webinar or whatever, yeah, you could do that on your own. If you want to put on a conference with 10,000 people that attend it, guess what? You need sponsors. If you want an event with you know 500 people running through that, I mean, I just had to spend $30,000 on obstacles for this freaking thing, right? So you don't have an event unless you have sponsors. Build your event with the sponsorships in mind. If you do that, your your life will be dramatically easier.
0: So... <laughs> And, and and no and that's a good point about the sponsors. So you're saying with the sponsors you have to the basically the event you have to make sure that there's something the sponsor can get from the event, is that what
1: you're trying to say? Yeah, there's 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 way too many people that put together events and what they say, they go down the classic road. Hey, cool, if you write me a check for, you know, X amount of dollars, I will and it's always the same shit, right? I'll hang up some banners, I will put your logo and your information on the event website. And I will mention you in all of the prints. And it's always the same stuff, right? Like find a creative way to get them actually involved or get their products involved in the actual event. There's not enough people that when they're when they're doing it, and again, it's not because they're not capable of figuring these things out. It's just not their starting point.
0: Gotcha. Wow. Okay. No, this is good. This is good. I want to touch on a few things you said there. So initially when you put the... No, the first thing you said was you identified a gap, right? There was yep. a gap in an industry. Anyone thinking about entrepreneurship or starting in something is, you know, I, I speak and I consult and I, and I have a business. I always say it's, it's figuring out how you can get people or an organization from a current um, condition to a desired destination. So that's the gap, right? So always yep. think about a gap and you identify the gap, even though people would say this is a crowded thing. The obstacle thing is something a lot of people have, are doing now. So you find a yep. gap and then you... You basically remixed it. <laughs> yeah. And, and then one of the things you said as well is even when you did that, the first event was a nightmare initially. And your response to that wasn't, that's done. Is you know, You're know you like, oh, I learned a lot. I'm going to get better. And so that's, that's a metaphor of a lot for life and entrepreneurship where you said you first identify a gap, put you a spin on it, and then even if you fail yourself back up and i just wanted to point those things out because that was what i was
1: the the, the the first one i don't the, the first one that you put on almost is always messy right and it's in if it, we're with big companies it's generally it's a rule of thumb especially for media companies that are looking to go cover things and possibly sponsor as well never go to somebody's first anything they're still figuring it out right so the first one is always messy and yeah. you just have to you have to expect that it's going to be messy and here's the thing. As long as you communicate that with the people that are going to be attending and the people that are going to be there, you say, hey, guys, listen, I really appreciate everybody coming out. We're going to do the best that we can with this, okay? I'm, you all know that this is only the first one I've done or the second one. There's going to be a couple little hiccups, but I appreciate your cooperation. We're going to have a lot of fun regardless, and I really appreciate everybody coming out here. So as long as you set your expectations and you're honest from that at the get-go, guess what? You're not going to have a lot of problems. Now, I think people run into issues when they put themselves up there as some kind of a guru, they're an expert, they're this, that, or the other thing. And, if, and again, this is if you're trying to do something big, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the best at this, and this is going to be the most incredible marketing day of your life. You've never seen anything like this. Oh, you have so oversold that right out the gate. And then they, they, they get up, and there's no, humble, there's no humble introduction or anything. So you, you've really got to manage people's expectations when you go into these things because it is so critical – to making sure that people have a good experience. I mean, it's you know under promise and over deliver, and way too many people just over deliver right out the gate. Yeah. And then you know, and then it's a they they over promise out the gate, and then it's under delivery in the you know in the end user's mind at the end, and you know your churn rate is damn near a hundred percent for the next one. So.
0: Yeah. No, I love it. No, this is this is so good, Jeremy. So okay, so we've touched we've touched on entrepreneurship, we have touched on event planning. Um, and even your path into the the journey, what, what is it that you want to be remembered for?
1: I'll be honest with you. I'm not, the only thing that, that I would really, truly want to be remembered for, I mean, we're we're trying to build some really large type companies here, right? And I am not, I'm not a four hour work week type mindset guy, right? Like that is not, my end game is not to find a way where I could be making decent money and I only have to work a few hours a week and everything just runs itself. And I'm sitting on the beach drinking margaritas, right? So we're trying to build really, really big landmark companies in certain industries here right now. And the, so, so, so that I would love to be remembered for when it's all said and done. He built that, he built that, and he built that. That being said, who knows if that's going to happen. The only thing that anybody ever really wants to be remembered is that you know, you're a decent guy, You try to take care of the people around you. And for me personally, I always say I want people to look back and say that is the hardest working dude I've ever met in my life. And I would say, honestly, like, as it stands right now with where I'm at, I don't think I know too many people that don't say that about me. I mean, I get random people messaging me that stuff all the time that are like, bro, how, what? Like, what is, what? What are you talking about? How? You know? So, and everybody around me is, you get, like you were saying, you get the same thing, you know? Oh, you need a hobby. Oh, you gotta go find you need you need a vacation. You need this, you need that. And I'm like, actually no, I don't. Mm. How about how about that? How about I just keep doing what I'm doing right now and you all either get on board or you know get out of the way. So
0: I love it. No, I love it. No, and, and in the in the essence of that, my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference, right? And that's the foundation nice. of everything I do. Nice. At the end of my interviews, thank you. At the end of my interviews, I always ask my guests that, that question. So I'm going to do that to you as well. How do you use your difference to make a difference?
1: How do I use my difference to make a difference? Mm-hmm. Um, Well, so here's the thing. Growing up, working for my uncle, he had enough of an op- – I think it's, at the height, he had like 25 guys working for him, okay, 25, 27, something like that. That's a lot of people to be working for you. Now – Keep in mind, he's still paying all these people cash, which is a little suspect, okay? So some of the finer points of the business did not really quite get, um, get tightened up. But what was always really cool with him was no matter who he ran into, if somebody needed something to get taken care of, he was able to get that taken care of for him. Mm. Whether he knew somebody or, yo, I just got laid off, uh, come to work tomorrow. What do you mean? Come to work tomorrow. Show up over here. The guys will show you what you got to do. You know, just show up with a, with a decent attitude and, and we'll get that taken care of for you. So that I think is really is the payoff for, for working like this constantly is that when the time comes that you've got to solve problems, not even your own problems, but other people's problems, especially if you care about them, you actually have the means to do it. You understand what I'm saying? Like it's, mm-hmm. That is a humongous difference maker, at least for me, because I always said that with startup, you know, well, what are you trying to do? We're trying to quote build a machine of opportunity, right? So, so that for me is is how I take, you know, this this odd thing that I find myself in of doing all this work and juggling these businesses and and trying to build all of that. That's how I can use that to kind of make a difference. I love is it. you you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. It, and honestly, what else am I going to do? I don't have an hour to sit there and listen to somebody's problems. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, that's my difference maker. Cool. You're in a bind. Come to work.
0: If not, if not you, then who? If not, uh, um, if not now, then when? Um, exactly. I love it. Uh, okay. So then where can people find out more about you? I mean, you, you shared so much. I'm sure people have, they could want to attend your event. They could want to get advice. You know, they could, they, there are many options for you, for people reaching out to you. So I'm curious how can people reach out to you?
1: I would say that they could just, just shoot me an email, Jeremy, J E R E M Y, at the startup com. Just shoot me an email if you, if you want to reach out over something. Um, otherwise, just go on to Facebook. You can follow us. Uh, honestly, the, the most fun page right now to follow on Facebook is probably the Grizzly Targets page. We do an astronomical amount of contests and back and forth on there. The engagement is through the roof. Um, so you know, check us out, Grizzly Targets on Facebook. Follow along with that. And then uh, while you're on there, go over to Drop Zone Gunner on Facebook, too. Follow along with that one.
0: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jeremy, for really spending time. The energy is infectious. (laughs) I I love it. And, uh, man, um, it's it's been a real pleasure learning about your your mission and what you do. So uh, I want to thank you for that.
1: Hey, man, I really appreciate the airtime. And uh, definitely, man, great stuff. Appreciate it. All
0: right. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, use a difference to make a difference.